hypnotic. It is hypnotic. I think the sounds are really great. I think we probably should do the interview in the actual office. Okay? Yeah, yeah. But I think it's really great. Welcome to Restart Radio. I'm Dave Pickering and I make podcasts. I spend most of my life online, but I've got no idea how to fix any of the devices that help me to spend my time there. But I've been invited to a party. It's called a restart party, and this party might just help me to understand the technology that I use every day and all the time. A Restart Party is a pop-up community repair event where skilled volunteers help people diagnose and repair their broken electronics. They are organised by the Restart Project, who are a London-based charity and social enterprise whose mission is to spark reflection and change in our relationship with gadgets. So let's go now to a Restart Party. Uh, What's your name? Hi, I'm Charles. And uh, why are you here at this Restart Party today? Well, I found this TV dumped outside my garage. It's a 42-inch flat-screen TV. It didn't show any immediate signs of problems, so I thought maybe it worked. But I haven't got power in my garage, so the restart party was just next door, so I popped in to see if they could help. And for them, it's a complete mystery. Normally, when someone comes in with something to fix, they've got an idea of what the problem is, but you didn't know that at all. Exactly, yeah, no idea. So I I just, like, looked at the screen to see if it was cracked. There was a couple of scratches, but nothing major, so I figured maybe it was a small, problem that, that we could fix. How's the fixing gone? So we've been at it about an hour. We t- took the TV apart a couple of times and cleaned various panels and so on and plugged things out and plugged them in again. Got some special fluid to clean one of the circuit boards as well. And we put it back together and it's better in that the screen turns on now but there's just a strip on the right hand side which is flashing up a different colour to the rest of the screen so isn't quite perfect. But you're not giving up? No, no, my brother is really into electronics, so I've taken a photo of uh, the TV in its current state, and he can look on the internet and try and find a solution. If you do find that you can't fix it uh, and you have to throw it away, do you know anything about the actual process of throwing away a, a big widescreen TV, like the actual official process you're supposed to do? I, I don't, actually, no. and it, I, I'm a bit of a hoarder. I can't stand walking past things in the street that I think might have potential. So uh, I do take on a risk when I take something home because then I have to find, if I can't fix it, I have to find the proper way of disposing of it. And it's not easy when you live in a flat, you know, with no storage space. So I'll have to investigate that if I I have to. If you did actually end up recycling it, do you you know what you'd do? Like, could you describe what what the process would be? What, you mean where I would take it? I, I I know there are tips in Lambeth, but I don't have a car. So luckily I've got a cargo bike. I could try and strap it onto the back of my cargo bike and cycle down to the recycling centre. That was recorded at a restart party in Brixton at the Remakery. Today's episode is about what happens to our electronic waste when we send it off to a recycling centre. We'll hear from some of the people involved in the process of recycling. I'll go on a road trip out to a recycling plant and we'll hear some more from people visiting restart parties, both the one in Brixton at the Remakery and one that happened in Havering at the Salvation Army Centre. I'm Justin Greenway. I work at Sweep Kuzakowski as the contracts manager, so kind of sourcing and selling the commodities that we create from the waste electronics. Where are we today? <laughs> We're in a beautiful sitting born in Kent. 
and we're at the plant where you actually take those electronics and sort them and, and recycle them. That's right. We're pretty much the largest waste electronics recycler in the south of England, covering pretty much all, all the household waste sites from London, Hertfordshire, Oxfordshire, Dorset, even as far away as Wales, would you believe, waste electronics comes to us for recycling. What happens to my kettle or my MP3 player or my laptop or whatever it gets to the point where I can't mend it anymore? If you were turning up I don't know, on a Sunday at the household waste site, there would be a container and it would be specifically for what they call small mixed B, which is your domestic electronics, kettles, toasters, computers, MP3 players, you name it, all your little gadgets that have come to their natural end of life would go into that container then that would be delivered to us for recycling. But some of the household waste sites also have a reuse operation, so they maybe have a, an embedded charity that might operate a reuse shed. So there might be a, a bit of interaction with you when you turn up along the lines of, oh, I've got a vacuum cleaner, and you know it, it's broken for you, but could be very easily fixed by a reuse operation. So some uh, household waste sites have those reuse operations that will interact with you before you discard it into your container that would come to us. So we're very much about creating commodities from waste electronics that is, is beyond economic repair. My name's Louisa. I'm here at the restart party because my lamp broke and I can see what's wrong with it, but I don't know how to fix it, so I'm hoping somebody can help me here. But if the worst happens and it doesn't get fixed today uh, and you have to throw it away, how, how would you go about throwing it away? Do you know? That's a good question. I try to be pretty good and I carry all my different recycling bits to big recycling centre in Holloway but I feel so weird when I arrive because I'm the only pedestrian it's made for big trucks and they on the website they say that you can just arrive but I arrive on my bicycle and then you have to ring a bell and then they just throw it all into one big container and I'm I'm always a bit they go like yeah 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 we're going to sort it all out and you know I hope it's true I hope (laughs) they do sort it all out well, one would hope that it gets taken apart, but lots of um, contemporary electrical items are designed and produced in a way that it's actually nearly impossible to take them apart. So I don't know, but I hope that it would be taken apart. Yes, yeah, so what's your name? Gone. And uh, why are you here today at this restart party? Because I wanted to repair the screen of my Fairphone and I wanted to change the RAM memory of my MacBook Pro. When you have to recycle electrical waste, I mean, what do you think happens to it once you put it in the recycling bin? In some places, they try to disassemble it and make use of the parts. Sadly, in some occasions, it will end up in a landfill and will be polluting everything around. But yeah, if you go to, to recycling centres... I believe, and I, I trust the recycling centres are doing their, their job properly, that they try to take out all the toxic components and then only send to landfill what cannot be used anymore. But I know, I'm aware that it is really, really difficult to separate all the parts because they have so many different metals and so many different components that it's really, really hard. And it costs a lot of money, and obviously the recycling companies cannot use that. My name is Inga. If that coffee machine that you brought today had not been able to be fixed, if you hadn't been able to fix that machine, what would you have done with it? Well, was hoping that if we couldn't fix it here, then maybe people here would know the last person in South London who might be able to fix it, like someone, like an old electrician who still does the occasional 
repair and then I would have tried to take it there but then obviously if that hadn't worked either I probably would have thrown it away eventually. Do you know where where it is that you take electronics to recycle them uh, in your local area? Since I've only lived in my local area for two weeks now not yet but I probably would have looked it up on the council's website where the nearest recycling plant is and well I'll call them up if they didn't have it on the website so yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and what do you think happens to products when they go into that recycling centre? I might be quite pessimistic. <laughs> so well, I'm hoping in an ideal scenario um, they are taken apart and the plastics are being recycled separately from the metals and the electronics, but I don't know how much is actually taken apart and how much just ends up in landfills anyway. I'm Sue Brown and I work for Haverhill Council in the Recycling and Waste Immunisation Department. What happens to e-waste once electrical items have got to their end of life? Obviously Restart hope to make that end of life be a, a lot further in the future but eventually electronic products do die, do have to be recycled or at least disposed of in some way. What happens to that waste? Well, what we do is we're trying to keep it out of the black sack waste, which means if it just went into a black sack, it would go down to our biomurf, and a lot of electronic items would get removed there because they have giant magnets that pull those things out, and they probably do actually get recycled at that point. They don't go to landfill in, in this particular borough, but we're trying to get them to the point of recycling before then. So alongside these workshops, which is one way of prolonging the life of the electronics, if we have things here which don't work at all, there is a bin that they can be recycled here. And That's right. There's a green bin over in the corner, and so if something gets placed inside that bin, what happens to it then? It will go to our recycling depot down at Gurpins Lane, and from that point it becomes Shanks' responsibility, who's our recycling contractor, and then they will recycle it by using the parts. So I'm not sure how they recycle it, but that's the last point of Havering's contact with it. You don't necessarily know the rest of the journey no, of that? I'm afraid I can't help you with that, what actually happens to it after that. I know it doesn't go to landfill, what it gets turned into and how things get reclaimed from it, I can't help you with that one, I'm afraid. And so, I mean, in my local area, there's a metal recycling box. It takes electronic waste. I put my stuff into that. What happens to it next? The journey from the household waste site is directly from that site down to us in Sydney. Right to the end where electronics comes in, right. I'll show you a big pile outside. Obviously, yeah, just so that you can understand kind of what What's we're happening. Uh, we exchange yeah. maybe four or five tons of material at one time, so the, the actual journeys are quite economic per ton. Uh, it gets tipped down with us on the same day that it's collected, and the process as we kind of walk through is really about creating commodities from the electronics in the most efficient, safe, environmentally friendly manner we can. Right, and so it comes here to the plant, and we've seen to, I've seen today, and I've been really kind of like fascinated. I mean, you could basically get hypnotised, as you said, when we were walking around by all of the machinery here. To someone who's, who doesn't know anything about it, it just looks like lots of kind of conveyor belts, I guess, and different things are getting taken from place to place by these conveyor belts and sorted in different ways. And then at certain points, there's humans who get involved because I guess machines can't sort everything on their own. So we need some actual human decisions in the process. I mean, is that is that a, a good description of, of what the plant is like? Or I mean, you'll do a better one, I'm sure. Hey, considering you've only been here for five minutes, you've done a pretty good job. Uh, but the principle is that we load it into a pre-sorting area. Typically, this is where we get the deliveries. 
where we're looking for things that we don't literally want to run through the plant. So like an accidentally deposited gas bottle, for example, clearly we wouldn't want to put that through a waste electronics plant because it would naturally explode. So we're doing a bit of pre-sorting before it goes in. This guy grabs the material, pops it onto the conveyor, so we're taking out rubbish content like paper, cardboard. But once we're happy with the material, it flows into something called a QZ2000, which basically is a, a two-metre chamber with chains in the bottom of the chamber, spinning the electronics apart. And it's actually the force of maybe a, a microwave hitting a vacuum cleaner that actually breaks apart the electronics. So you're kind of using the residual energy within electronics to bash itself apart down to its constituent parts. So plastics, metals, circuit boards, motors will all come out as separate, separatable streams. So the output from the QZ gets a little bit of size sorting, and we have a magnet, and then a lot of hand-picking goes on then. So anything that's a finished commodity for us, we'd hand-pick off at that point. And then what we can't hand-pick off gets granulated all down to the same size. And only once it's down to the same size can you automatically sort something. This tumbler, this, this big round thing here, is a, basically a size sorter. We're sorting the small bits away from the granulator so we don't have excessive wear and tear on our granulator because the small bits are already small enough. The large bits go through the granulator and the small and the output from the granulator gets joined back together and then up to us behind us here is an eddy current. So we literally drop it down to about 20 to 30 millimetres in size and then we run it over something called an eddy current which is a bit like a reverse magnet separating aluminium away from plastic. It does a pretty good job but uh, within the aluminium there's little bits of circuit board and within the plastic there's little bits of value left as well like um, strands of copper or pieces of cable or circuit board. So the aluminium we optically sort and we've got a, an optic looking down at a conveyor belt constantly and using air jets to then fire and separate the circuit board away from the aluminium as soon as it visually recognises the part that it says, right, your circuit board, literally a, 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 an air jet fire to separate the circuit board away from the aluminium. We have to do that because they both take two different recycling routes. The circuit board goes off for copper and gold recovery, and the aluminium obviously goes for aluminium recovery. Mix them together, nobody wants to buy them. But separate them, they're good value streams. See the bright light down there? That is a camera looking down at a conveyor belt constantly, and we've told it to look for green things and brown things, but not silver things. So basically, whenever it sees circuit board, it fires an air jet and separates one from the other. Same uh, principle with the plastic in that the, the little bits of circuit board and cable within the plastic is not something that the plastic buyers particularly want. It adds a, a layer of complication to their sorting and we'd much prefer to be able to keep the value here and smelt it ourselves. So we run it over something called a Titec machine that has an electromagnetic field that can register any disruptions to that electromagnetic field, like a force field almost. So any metal going through that field will say, right, actually I've, I've made a disruption, then it's tracked, and an air jet again fires it. So we're separating about three tonne an hour of plastic to virtually no metal content whatsoever. So it used to be about 3%, and now it's virtually none since we've bought this new machine. In terms of getting people to know what to do with their waste, what, what are your particular council doing to, to kind of educate people or to tell them how to recycle? We do an awful lot of promotions, including things like we've run sewing workshops to encourage people to learn how to sew on buttons and hem, hem things to stop them throwing clothes away. But again, any fabrics or textiles that can't be used any further, we encourage people to take to charity shops, even as rags, because charity shops can get money for those things, and then they'll go on to a company who will recycle 
sample them, mosh them, turn them into other things, how that bit works, I don't know. Along with these workshops for electrical waste, and we, I've also run amnesties this summer, five, what we've called amnesties, which is a term I don't like. We actually refer to them more as don't bin it, bring it. And we've run those on five local authority housing sites because in Havering you can now recycle small electrical items at your door along with your other recycling. But we can only do that for households and not for flats. So we've run these uh, amnesty events which have been publicised a lot on local websites and newsletters in libraries. People can bring along their broken electrical items and again then that will be collected by our contractor shanks and taken away for recycling. We run Love Food Hate Waste workshops where residents can come along and we have two chefs who teach them how to not just store food but how to ideas for using leftover food so you don't throw anything away you actually turn your leftover food into other other foods as well to try and reduce the amount of food waste that happens so there's lots and lots of initiatives we kind of think of things and then just go with them we're about to start running a whole campaign on doorstepping and speaking to people about for flats recycling that's the most difficult the most challenging thing we find in Havering is people who live in flats it's sometimes quite hard to bring all your stuff down to a recycling point so we're just about to start a campaign on trying to reduce the amount of recycling and waste that happens in flats What gets recycled? What kinds of things do you recycle here? Well the good news is waste electronics is virtually 100% recoverable so that means we've hardly got any waste and any waste that we do generate we actually send for waste to energy so the waste content within electronics would be maybe I don't know that um, vacuum cleaner that's broken typically we do end up with the vacuum cleaner bag which is you know it's understandable it's human nature but we have to obviously that's not going to create a valuable commodity like plastic or metal so we have to take that off as a rubbish fraction so that rubbish fraction goes back into london actually for incineration at celsius what you do here is you recycle w-e-e-e right which almost sounds it sounds to me like wrestling like it reminds me of the kind of world wrestling federation i mean what does that stand for and what does that mean okay it's a it's a catchy acronym i'll give you that it's waste electrical electronic equipment directive so it's the we directive and it's about producer responsibility so a manufacturer like panasonic or sony or lg puts new gadgets quite understandably onto the marketplace and then they are responsible under the we directive to recycle in proportion to what they sell what happens to the things that aren't recycled so you said that a bit i mean you say they go to the incineration plant in london i guess i mean what are the things that can't be recycled and 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 kind of what kind of a, a a problem do they present I guess to you as, a, as someone who has to sort through stuff and, and then work out where it's going yeah. to go next I mean within the plant that we saw it's kettle stoters, computers, vacuum cleaners microwaves all being spun apart and the commodities they generate are you know, all very recyclable so that's really great news but it tends to be the maybe the packaging that comes in with it maybe a carrier bag that somebody might have taken it to the household waste site, we'd have to put that to waste to energy or the fluff inside a speaker is waste to energy um, pesky videotape waste to energy it goes for miles but you know we wind it back in and send it for waste to energy and like like we discussed earlier vacuum cleaner bags is another classic thing that we'd have to send for waste to energy so the plant that we saw is actually you know we, we have a, a mass balance running year on year uh, we have 98 percent recovery rate and as i say the waste content then goes for waste to energy so we don't directly send anything ourselves to landfill at all probably the more challenging waste stream that comes into us actually is display equipment so we have a range of input from old-fashioned cathode ray tube televisions, the big blocky ones that we all used to have, and flat screens with uh, liquid crystal displays that are nice and presentable in our front rooms now, but both have equally challenging recycling demands on them. So a cathode ray tube has leaded glass, 
and that leaded glass is, is quite difficult to recycle and find a home for it. It used to go back into making new cathode ray tubes, amazingly, but that clearly has stopped now. So we have a, a furnace here that uh, can melt the lead out of glass, but it's quite commercially quite expensive to do that. So we have to kind of turn on and off with other uh, recycling routes. So r- right now, for example, we're sending our leaded glass back into a reuse route, but we don't know how long that will that'll last for. So like I say, the good news is waste electronics always has to be recycled. And you know, if the commercials change, then display equipment becomes a bit more expensive to recycle if we have to take the lead out. But the, the LCD screens are even more challenging. It's, um, if you're sitting in an office, you've probably got a strip light above you. And that is basically uh, very small versions of those are in the back of your LCD TV that you might have at home. So both of them contain an element of mercury. So we have to take apart an LCD TV quite, quite manually and quite gently to actually get to those mercury-containing strips. So for us, that's quite a challenging waste stream, quite expensive per tonne to process. And obviously the mercury content then needs to go off to a very specialist mercury recycler. Right, well, that's, that's fascinating to think about how these things that we think of as just one piece, like how they split it into all of these different parts. I mean, it makes sense, but you don't think of, your, of the things that you hold in your hands in these kind of ways, that they have all of these different components in them. You just think of them as, as, the, as the thing that they are. What are the main challenges uh, for you as a recycler, recycling plant in, in doing what you're doing? Probably it's securing enough input for our plant. Uh, it, it sounds strange because obviously we walked around and it seems everything quite busy, but uh, to give you an idea of scale, our, our plant, uh, we wouldn't even fill one shift with all the electronics from London. So the, this is kind of why I take part in things like this. It's really to raise the profile of waste electronics as a waste stream. It's a real sin at the moment that we're only recycling maybe about 35% of what we could be recycling. So there's a kind of a, a missing gap between tonnage and a lot of it is human nature with small little gadgets going into the bin. So our biggest challenge is to actually get enough waste electronics into the recycling sector. I mean, I only found out whilst doing this podcast about the fact that you shouldn't. I mean, it's illegal to just throw away electronic goods. I would have recycled the big ones, but I wouldn't necessarily have thought about the small ones. And, and I've considered myself a relatively clued up person. So, I mean... Obviously, I'm not. The 35%, clearly. Right. Yeah. RAP, Waste Resource Action, I forget what the P stands for, but RAP, done quite some interesting studies on the psychology between you can tell somebody about a mobile phone that's easily recyclable or a computer that's easily recyclable, but it's just getting that joined up. Anything electrical, doesn't matter whether it's your hairdryer or your toaster or you know, electric waste scales, all of those gadgets can be recycled. And it's just kind of linking that thought process that you don't put it in the bin. You know, you've, you've created this thing from quite expensive commodities at some point that have been dug out of the earth. And we need to respect that at the, at the end of its natural life and actually reuse those uh, commodities once more in making new gadgets if it can't be reused. Why are you here at the Restart Party? To find out how to repair a tablet that hasn't been working for quite a while. So I think a lot more people would recycle if they knew exactly what happened to everything they did recycle, where it went, how it was distributed and broken down. If it was shown maybe in uh, an advert or posters or a booklet or something if it was actually shown then more people would definitely recycle I'm pretty sure of that yeah I mean so I mean have you got any idea what happens to recycling once it goes into the box I'm not sure either I have a little idea because I've 
gathered some information today, but before today, no. No. Yeah, I think I think most of us are in that in that in that boat. I mean, what 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 did you learn today? What is available to people in my situation? Because I have health problems, I didn't realise that there was a little extra support with waste and the collection where I struggle every week putting my waste out. I, I cannot put my bags out like other people, so I'm not able to take them out the willy bin. You know, I didn't realise that there's a scheme where the dustman can come and take the wheelie bin and empty it for me. I was completely unaware of that. So I've learnt that today. I've taken quite a few leaflets. So I will be going on to the Havering website to see more. So how, how is the business going at the moment? The commodities are tough. Obviously, everyone sees the BBC News talking about ferrous metals and um, the, the, the global economy not needing as much commodities as we used to and the, the impact of Chinese dumping of steel on, on the market. So the commodities we create right now are probably at their lowest ever since the We Directive started. So that makes a challenging environment to work in because you have a customer base that's used to you know, a, a certain price based on the commodities we generate. So for us, the challenge is just communicating that fairly with our customer base to explain you know, how, how radically commodities have changed and making sure we're getting our input but at the right price. And so I was looking through um, a, an article on the way here today that was talking about the falling price of s- scrap metal and like the downturn in Chinese manufacturing, creating less incentive to increase recycling rates. The, the fundamentals of our business are we're creating commodities that we need to sell. And you know, obviously where transaction is generally that you sell something that's a positive value. Now there's a, a clearly a tipping point, plastic's a good example, where if oil is so cheap, it's actually cheaper to make virgin plastic than it is to reuse what can be quite complicated to reuse, uh, recycled plastic. So a company that maybe isn't interested in adding a recycled content to their product would probably always go for virgin if it's cheaper than recycled plastic. So you suddenly have this concept of a a circular economy where you want to put back in the commodities you're creating, but you're actually commercially disadvantaged by doing so because, understandably, a manufacturer wants to go for potentially the the cheapest commodity they can create to go into their new gadgets. People have to comply with the WE directive, so logically somebody that is duty-bound to recycle, would just the commercial terms would change. Right. So you know, where you've gone from maybe having a value stream, you'd have a negative value stream. But the, the stuff arriving at the household waste site still needs to be funded by the manufacturers to get recycled. So that's the good news, I guess, is that regardless of where commodities end up, hopefully we're at the base, but if we're not, you know, regardless of where they end up, waste electronics will always get recycled. It's just the commercials change. And do we need to see more incentives then? <laughs> well, rather selfishly, yes, of course. You know, we, we want more waste electronics recycled. It would be immoral to think that it's, it's an acceptable position to be you know, maybe putting 60% into waste to energy or landfill still, particularly on those small gadgets. So raising the profile and making it easier is the only way we're going to reach European targets, which are getting stronger and stronger all the time. You work with recycling, but, I mean, obviously reuse is another way that we can stop these commodities from being wasted. What you do in the recycling sector, does that have kind of connections with reuse kind of projects like, I guess, Restart and other, mm. and other things like that? Yeah, I'm obviously very familiar with Restarts and very supportive of the work. The key is just intercepting electronics at the right point in the disposal chain. So when somebody turns up at the household waste site... 
know, if the local authority is given permission for it to have a reuse operation at the household waste site so they can have a conversation with you along the lines of why are you disposing of your vacuum cleaner, you know, it could be as simple as it being blocked. And if it's a reasonable model, then it has a resale value as opposed to just commodity value for us. You know, so it's, it's about the value chain, if you like. And yes, of course, you know, reuse should be prioritised. And it makes no difference to us. If it gets reused, then great, it'll always come round as a waste product at some point. Whilst making this podcast, I learned a few things. First of all, that you can and you should recycle much more of your electronic waste than I thought was possible. Also, that there are differences in access to recycling. So not everybody is equally able to recycle based on both their physical and their financial abilities and opportunities. Going back to where the podcast started with that broken TV brought into the restart party in Brixton, out of all of the electronic waste covered, that's the one that I still don't feel like I have an answer to what happens when it's sent to a recycling centre. As Justin highlighted, it sounds like TVs are one of the hardest things to take apart and recycle. So let's hope that there was a way to fix that TV and that it hasn't ended up in landfill. Restart Radio is both a podcast and a weekly show that goes out at 1.30 on Tuesdays on Resonance 104.4 FM. Today's restart party is over, so it's time to pack up the equipment and say goodbye to each other. Goodbye, everybody.